Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com disciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, Episode 9. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today I'm chatting with Michelle Braun about the early years of marriage and her experience walking alongside her husband during his fight with brain cancer. Michelle is a music teacher, show choir director, and over the last three years has performed, directed, or choreographed more than 65 productions. I so enjoyed hearing about her life, her passions and work, and most of all, her marriage. When Michelle and I first met, we were both working in the ministry world, so we also chat about how prayer looks different when you're not spending most of your day at a church. (laughs) Thanks for listening in. Here is my chat with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for being here. Hello. Um, Well, if you don't mind, we can just jump right in. I would love to hear your story with Brian, how you guys met, your dating and engagement story, if you don't mind sharing. No problem. I love sharing it. It's actually one of my favorite things. The high schoolers I work with love to hear the story of how I met my husband because they're all dreaming of it, you know, (laughs) down the line, like, oh, tell me your story. Um, (laughs) So... uh, I was 32 when I met Brian, and um, I had been praying for him for years Mm. um, before I met him, um, because I'd gone through just some, you know, some failed attempts at relationships, I would Mm. say. I hadn't really had a boyfriend since I was 15, and I had really kind of gone down the line of like, well, should I pursue religious life? Like, mm. does God want me to be a nun or like a consecrated single? Like, am I supposed to be alone my whole life? What is supposed to happen here, Lord? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had done a lot of praying for Brian and for my vocation in life. And um, along the way, leading up to my, um, my 32nd birthday, um, I did something called a novena to St. Therese of Lisieux, and her nickname is the Little Flower. And a novena is basically a nine-day prayer where you ask the saint to um, intercede for you and ask for your request. And my request was just to know my vocation. Mm. It was as simple as that. Um, And there's a tradition with St. Therese where you ask for a flower. Um, You... Uh, and so I kind of set up this like, okay, well, a red rose for marriage, a white rose for religious life, a pink rose for a consecrated single, or a yellow rose for weight. Mm-hmm. And I was open to any of the options and truly open. Like I was 32 years old, just going, you know, turning 32, just going, what do you want from me, Lord? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was in a play that summer and um, on the the last night of the novena, which was my birthday, we had a show on my birthday mm-hmm. and I was the very last person in the dressing room and sitting in the floor, in the middle of the floor, with no one else around, Mm. was a yellow rose with red tips. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and, you know, it probably just fell off of somebody's beautiful bouquet of flowers that somebody (laughs) had given them, but it was just sitting there and there was no one else Mm. around. That rose was for me. Um, And it very clearly answered the prayer of my heart, which was wait for marriage. And I was like, okay, God, 
I will wait. I will yeah. follow. I will wait. I will do what you want me to do. Um, and um, six months later, I was in another play, and this one was called I Do, I Do, which was all about <laughs> marriage. Um, it was about a couple that gets married, and then you follow them for the next 50 years of their life. Okay. Um, and while we were in that, it's a two-person play, and my uh, my co-star, if you would say, um, he met someone, fell in love, got engaged, all in the process of this play. <laughs> of course. And it was like, what is happening? Um, and uh, and two months after that, um, I had just finished a uh, a church retreat. I was a youth minister at the time, mm-hmm. and um, there's. Usually, okay, at that time I was going to daily mass pretty much every day of the week, but sometimes I would take Mondays off because that was my day off, my day of rest, because Mm -hmm. in ministry you have to work a lot on Sundays. So I would really be intentional about making Mondays my day of rest. Um, And I... But I, for some reason, I was up and at him, ready to go on Monday morning, and I went to church. And it just so happened that sitting behind me was uh, a man whose name is Chuck. And at the sign of peace, he taps me on the shoulder, and he says, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what did I do wrong? So he pulls me aside after Mass, and he goes, so Michelle, are you dating anyone? And I go, no. He goes, do you want to be dating someone? Yes. <laughs> Because what's your phone number? And I said, is this for that guy? Because his wife was a coworker of mine and had been name dropping Brian for probably a year and a half at that point. And it turns out behind the scenes, Brian had gone over to her son Jim's house and, uh, and wanted and was helping Jim put in like a backsplash in his kitchen and had asked Jim, well, is there a singles group at C's at our church? And Jim said, well, no, but there is this girl. <laughs> and this was a year prior or this. This was like eight months. It was April following my novena. OK. And uh, so within a week, we were set up. We went on our first date and then my life exploded with ministry in April. Anybody who's ever lived through that knows it's a crazy <laughs> month. Um, and uh, and basically, we hit it off. And four months later, on my birthday, exactly a year after I finished that novena, he put a ring on my finger. Oh, and it was absolutely just amazing to me. He had put the ring in his rosary pouch to keep it safe, which oh. is just so special. <laughs> um, and was so nervous. But yeah, he asked me for proposed on my birthday. We got married uh, 10 months later. Oh and gosh. 10 months after that, almost to the day, was the day of his surgery. Mm. And that was the day that kind of our whole life had a seismic shift. Yes. Okay. Um, so can you take us back to that day then and uh, what the surgery was for and what you discovered? So um, about 10 days before the surgery, Brian had the worst headache he'd ever had in his life. He he was in so much pain that he um, – he, 
he was throwing up anytime he tried to move. Um, he was just miserable. Mm-hmm. And um, so we took him to urgent care and he had a history of, he had a brain tumor back when he was 18 in his freshman year of college. Okay. Um, so we presented at urgent care his, his medical history and yet they still said, oh, it's probably just a migraine, even though he's 30 years old and had never had migraines before. Sure. Um, they So they treated him for a migraine and sent us on his way. And 10 days later, the headache came back. Mm. And this was a Friday. He went and got some migraine medication and, you know, it cleared up for a little while. But then he woke up Saturday morning and it was just as awful as it had been before and Mm. he said Michelle I think I need to go to the hospital and this was Saturday morning seven o'clock in the morning so you know get up put some clothes on and uh, we went to the emergency room and uh, they scanned him Um, they came back to us and said there's been a change in your scan Okay. And at that point, they said, we're going to order you an ambulance and send you up to uh, a hospital in the cities where you can get an MRI on a Saturday. So they were playing it down pretty low key. Okay. But Brian lost consciousness in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and didn't oh, wake up again goodness. until the next day. Uh, at 7 o'clock that night, he had a, uh, a major surgery, a craniotomy, to re- move a um basically a softball sized brain tumor when when the neurosurgeon needs two hands to show you how big the brain tumor is it's terrifying um and so you know uh i was i was there and at the hospital and and praying and trying to communicate with his family and our priest at the time came up and just as soon as he was done with all of his duties for his Saturday night. He came up and just sat with us, mm. which was the most amazing thing. Beautiful. Um, and prayed prayed for us and um, anointed Brian when he got out of surgery mm. uh, at about 11.30 at night. Mm. And... Um, so when he lost consciousness, yes. when he was in the ambulance, did you know at that time what was going on? Had they given you any indication? No, that, they had okay. not given us any indication. Okay. Um, and he actually... He actually coded out at about 3.30, meaning, like, his heart rate dropped. So right as his parents were walking in the door at the hospital, they were calling a code, and nurses from all over the floor were flooding in to try to revive him. Oh, my goodness. Um, And, yeah, it was (laughs) probably the scariest, most traumatic day of my whole life because I had to sign all the paperwork Mm. for Brian saying – um, that it was okay for them to proceed with the surgery and for them giving me all the warnings about how mm. he might not wake up or he might, mm. I mean, brain surgeries are very delicate. He might be a completely different person oh when gosh. he wakes up and to be 10 months into our marriage mm. and to think that I waited 33 years and I may either A, lose my husband before a year of marriage or B, be suddenly married to a completely different person wow. was um it was awful right. um but when he I, I i like to say it's been all it's been all uphill since he <laughs> woke up the next day yeah. and he was still very clearly brian mm. um wow. and so there's been a lot of like fighting since then but once we 
cleared that mm-hmm. and I knew I was still married to the same man. Um, and it, we knew it from that point that we were fighting, but as soon as it was diagnosed, it was the same kind of brain tumor he had in, um, in college. And so they said, this is the best possible diagnosis you could have mm. because uh, it's a very treatable form of cancer. And even though it came back twice since then, um, it, it's been treatable. And now, you know, two years later, he's doing actually fantastic. Mm. So we're That's very great. grateful. God. Yes, yeah. yes. So, yes. So, so, so what does, um, so after that um, and up until now, what, has his um like medical kind of upkeep been like does he meet regularly with doctors and what's happened since then so he went through four months of in very intensive chemotherapy mm-hmm. and then he had three months off where they basically sent him back to work and said okay you're good now and then at his three-month checkup because every cancer patient after they go into remission they get checked every three months for the first year Mm -hmm. at his first three-month checkup they did a scan and the tumor was growing again Mm -hmm. and at that point we changed medical facilities to a different doctor who was more specialized in neurological cancers sure um and uh and we did more chemo he did around so he did two months of chemo two months of radiation going into last summer and then uh he was scheduled to have a stem cell transplant and he uh he got all the way up to getting checked into the hospital for his stem cell transplant and then things kind of went off the rails and he had a whole bunch of complications Hmm. And six months later, he finally got his stem cell transplant. And there's been periods where we've had appointments almost every single day. Mm -hmm. And then uh, periods where he goes quite a while without having an appointment. And we could absolutely have not have done it without his parents are recently retired and they Mm -hmm. live in town. So they have been running him all over the place. And he has a retired... um, I call them an aunt and uncle. They're technically, I think, first cousins once removed. This is a Minnesota okay. thing. Okay. <laughs> that they, their cousins are very close around here. And I'm not from Minnesota. I'm from Michigan. So I'm still getting used to it. But uh, they have been incredibly helpful, too. And it's um, one of Brian's very favorite people and Mm. so the five of us working as a team were able to get Brian to all of his appointments and make sure that he was well taken care of beautiful yeah I love that yeah so what would you say about um yeah just this community that you're talking about kind of being surrounded by um those close family members um but beyond that what it what would you say is the importance of or have you found a need for um community during this time Absolutely. I mean, I there's no way that I could have because I, I technically work for part time jobs. Mm. So four part time jobs plus caregiving oh my goodness. Um, has has been very intensive. And there's mm. no way that I could have done it without the support. We did a meal train for three months and people were so wow. wonderful about giving us. Um, food and encouragement and support. We took donations for a while. We and people gave us like gas cards and 
grocery cards and mm. they were so thoughtful about giving us like fast food cards because they knew that we were on the run right. all the time um, and there was uh, some people at my my school I work at a, a Christian school and uh, not only did they like when they saw that I was having a bad day they would just stop and pray for me mm. on the spot beautiful and like their classes prayed for me mm-hmm. and the uh the the head of the parent committee she organized a bunch of parents to make me uh lunches mm-hmm. for a while and then at one point the school just went ahead and bought me hot lunch for about a month wow. when they knew that I was in like my most intensive time of need uh they never asked me for a cent for those lunches they yeah. just said what do you need and took care of it completely and so they took care of my immediate physical needs to try to take something off of my plate but they also were so supportive emotionally and spiritually um, to make sure that I was able to continue to minister and serve my community of students Mm. while I was still struggling with all of this at the same time. And um, on the same note as that, the, the show choir community was unbelievably Mm. supportive um brian's stem cell transplant happened uh the day before our local show choir competition that happens at um at the high school that i work at and not only did they give me basically the entire day off which shouldn't happen i that's one of those Mm. days that i should be at that school for about 16 hours um (laughs) so they gave me the entire day off i came just in time to get my students ready for their performance. And the kids surprised me by uh, having this super emotional moment in the ballad uh, where they all held hands. And my entire show choir show was about fighting cancer. It was called I Will Survive. And so um, our ballad was Beautiful Things Mm -hmm. by Gunger. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they... uh, the community, they, they all know that I'm a, a strong Christian and it's, you know, it's probably not usually okay to sneak in a worship song in your show choir <laughs> show because it is a secular institution, but, um, but it was so perfect mm. and, uh, and it was so meaningful mm. to all of the kids that were involved and, um, just a beautiful show of solidarity and I cried through the whole thing I was I was a hot mess (laughs) but it was it was so so powerful Mm. um and just like so that that met my like artistic as I mean as a music teacher like I have artistic needs alongside of my physical Mm. emotional and spiritual needs and that like met my artistic need for support right alongside Mm. of everything else so it was um, there's no way that I could have gotten through it without the community mm. support and the prayers. We have like 18 churches praying for us. I don't even know because <laughs> everybody has the web of support. Sure. And that was kind of facilitated through our Caring Bridge site and mm. just me really like sharing um, my heart and my journey um, through the Caring Bridge. If anyone wants to go back and read some of my Caring Bridge oh, articles, um, it's Brian's Beautiful Brain. Mm. Nice alliteration there. That's Pretty great. easy to find. And I was just really raw about the emotional and spiritual journey of going through this whole thing and just completely grateful to the community who was all present. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it brings tears to my eyes now. It gives me goosebumps <laughs> just hearing. Wow. Just 
how your community, even beyond the direct people that you knew and were working with, were responding to you and the situation. It's just, wow, beautiful. I love it. Amazing. Hi, friends. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that a great way you can support the show is by getting a free audiobook. Audible has loads of audiobooks to choose from. Is there a book you love coming back to again and again? You can get that book on Audible and listen to it when you're doing dishes or folding laundry or out on a run. Or if your child has a favorite book they love hearing again and again, check it out on Audible and have a fun book you can play for them in the car. Head over to audibletrial.com disciples and get an audiobook and 30-day free trial. And thanks for supporting the show. So how would you say um, your relationship with God and your faith has been um, maybe challenged or strengthened um, during that specific time, but also through throughout your marriage? Um, I would say it it definitely looks a lot different than it used to. Mm. Um, when I was doing ministry, I was able to, you know, go to daily mass pretty much every day. And I would, you know, spend hours and hours praying after work or before work or um, going to retreats and facilitating retreats. Mm. And it was kind of my whole life and being. And um, now I've moved on to, uh, I mean, I still, I work for a Christian school, but I I teach music now. So Mm. it's, it's not, the same as doing necessarily ministry and yet your ministry is your you, just your presence and your ability to connect with people and be authentic in who you are and how you are living out God's will for your life mm-hmm. and I think that um, by God is like the f- complete foundation of my life that I've like built this house of relationship and work and everything on. And I would say completely present in everything, but it definitely doesn't look the same as it used to. Sure. And at first I found a lot of kind of like I, spiritual emptiness mm. in that, that I was like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not being enough. I'm not, there's nothing enough. Mm. Um, I couldn't possibly pray enough in this situation because it's so different. And as I have explored the new normal and how it looks now, I've settled into some routines of finding pockets of silence mm. and peacefulness and prayer in my life that look different than they used to. Um, driving mm-hmm. has become such uh, such a big piece. It, it takes me about 20 minutes to drive to my job. And every day, even if I can't make it to mass, I listen to the readings of the day on a podcast mm-hmm. um, to get my scripture reading in every single day. And then I pray on the rest of my way to work. And I almost never turn my radio on in the car anymore because mm-hmm. I seek that silence. And that's one of the only parts of my life where I can find it. Yeah. And so I've found that pocket of silence and that pocket of prayerfulness and, um, and that has kept kept me going and kept me anchored and then finding other opportunities uh, in my life where that comes available as well is really special. Mm-hmm. But that has kind of become my 
anchor point and it's so much different than it used to be and I always thought well it's not enough to just pray in the car but like it's the anchor point mm. and everything else comes out of that oh I love that yeah. I love that idea of having an anchor point um this seems to have been coming up a lot recently in conversations I've had with people this idea of okay I don't have the ideal circumstances to pray anymore where I have two hours just set aside for uh-huh. prayer or whatever right. it is but um, just making time and finding the time to pray or, to pray each day because we need it. We need it to just Desperately. survive. Yeah, we need it. Yeah. Um, I was sharing a story with someone about how um, one day I hadn't prayed yet and my kids were just going crazy. And I was like, I've just got to pray because I'm at the end of my rope. So we like we all went in a room, my kids' room, and I just shut the door and they were just like going crazy in the room. And I just sat on their bed and I was like, I'm just going to take my prayer time now. And it's not ideal, but it's it's just something, you know, we might not ever have the ideal circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think um, after leaving a life of ministry, um, like you had mentioned, I kept waiting for the ideal circumstances to be able to pray. And then sometimes I'd go through the day and I wouldn't pray because I would never have the ideal circumstances. Uh-huh. So now it's just a realization they might not ever be quite ideal and um, just taking the time to pray regardless. Yeah. So that's great. I love that. Um, what would you say has been the greatest joy in your marriage? I would say the greatest joy in my marriage has just been having a just a partner, like a partner in life mm-hmm. um, to experience the joys and sorrows and to have these incredibly strong shared experiences whether they're positive experiences or negative Mm. experiences we are building this we're building this house together Mm. um and uh it's funny because a lot of people say like oh my partner is my best friend and i i don't think of it like that Uh Um, you know, I would say he's my favorite of my favorites. He's the top of my favorites in my phone. But like, I have just a completely different vision of like, friendship versus partnership. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I've had amazing friends through the years. Mm -hmm. I love my friends. I love my community. But I had been seeking, desperately seeking for so many years, a partner. Mm -hmm. And that is what Brian is to me. He is my deep partner in Mm. life. And we face things together. We plan things together. We hash things out together. Um, We we discuss and debate and we confront things and we allow things to like... Iron sharpens iron, you know, like we're both oldest children. We're both like (laughs) stubborn and hard headed and like we, but we do it together. We figure Mm. it out. And that was always kind of our mantra, like we'll figure it out. Sure. And that continues to be kind of this partnership that we're based on, like we're going to figure it out. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that. So um, for maybe some uh, young wives that are listening who maybe just recently got married and now are just starting to feel that kind of like rubbing that you the just friction. mentioned. There is, there is friction. Yes. So uh, what would you say maybe some advice or encouragement or just um, maybe some experience from you? Um, I would say whatever it is that you're experiencing as a friction point, put it out in the light. Mm. 
Do not allow it to fester in darkness because allowing it to fester in darkness, whatever it is, will will breed this resentment Mm. in your heart. And Satan uses that resentment to drive couples apart. Mm. And so, um, you know, uh, (laughs) my my co-star from I Do, I Do, actually, he and I had lunch one day and he was like, Michelle, come on, you just have to fight it out sometimes. (laughs) And I don't like fighting it out. I do not like that at all. But at the same time, I could feel these resentments festering inside of me. Mm. And um, and sometimes like we just and I I still am not I'm still not a fighter. I don't want to fight it out. But I do go out of my way to bring things into the open mm. when they are building resentment inside of me. Mm. And um, I try not to do it when I'm like feeling extremely like heated or emotional about sure. it um, to, to do it in the best possible. Like we need to have a discussion about this. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, there are those times where you just like, whether you're a fighter or whether you're not, bring it out into the open Mm. and it's interesting because brian and i have now had periods where like we have a common enemy of cancer and when the common enemy goes away we find ourselves making each other the enemy again (laughs) and all of a sudden it's like okay stop why did we get along so well when we were fighting a common enemy and now all of a sudden that the enemy is gone because we've been through these waves of like fighting cancer and then having remission and then fighting cancer and then having remission and then fighting cancer and then having remission. Um, And uh, to feel the way our relationship has ebbed and flowed Mm. through that. Um, And, you know, we're a normal couple. We still fight about dishes. Mm. Like, it's it's normal. Um, And that still is resolving. Mm. Uh, It's a constant process of learning how to live with another human being yeah that's great that's so helpful when you're talking about the enemy that just reminded me of an image I saw recently of a married couple and they're kind of like standing behind like a shield or something and um there's an image of um the devil kind of like um coming after them and it 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 just said remember who the enemy is Mm. and I think so often we yeah, we we maybe don't assume the best in each other or something. Um, I know, for example, um, my husband. Hopefully, he doesn't mind me sharing this story. <laughs> Cameron, when we when we first got married, something that he does for some reason is whenever he's at the computer, he takes his socks off. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but he just does it. And so I would go up to like his office area, our guest room, to kind of straighten out It'd be a and pile be of socks. socks. <laughs> and like, what are these doing here? And just to realize like he's not leaving his socks there maliciously to make me aggravated you know um but it's funny just the little things that come up like that when you when you're married and um you're with each other all the time and yeah those things out yes and seeing each other at your most uh your most vulnerable and your most uh unguarded yes truly wow yeah that's exactly right yeah um, so I'd love to ask you if you don't mind sharing, um, do you and Brian have plans to grow your family in the future or? So when we got married, I mean, I was already turning 33 the summer that we got married. Um, we said, you know what, we're going to take a year to figure out how to be married mm-hmm. and then we'll start working on hopefully having a family. Sure. Um, and then 10 months later, 
instead of a baby, we got cancer. Wow. Um, and yeah. now, you know, we've been married uh, three years and two months. And uh, we've been fighting cancer for most of that time. Right. Um, and because Brian had cancer back in college, he actually has some complications when it comes to fertility. Sure. Um, so he's going to have to go through a hormonal uh, process because he has no pituitary gland. It's medical craziness. But sure. um, uh, he's going to have to go through a process in order to even become fertile. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're, we're going to give him the rest of this year to con- kind of get back to full speed sure. from recovering from cancer. And then he is going to start that process and we're going to start hopefully attempting to have a family. Yeah. We uh, just bought a new house. So that's Great. fun. That's exciting. Um, with the explicit purpose of having three bedrooms, because we would like to be able to, uh, to have a little family and get started. Um, and, you know, when we'd only been dating about a month, uh, he told me that he may not be able to have children at all. And, mm. My response at that time and my response still to this day is there's a lot of ways to be family. So mm, we're going to beautiful. pursue adoption. Um, we've both kind of talked it over and we're we're open to even getting like an elementary school aged brother and sister. Wow, and, beautiful. Um, uh, so uh, a lot of people are really pigeonholed into having a baby and um, we're a lot more we're very open to whatever the Lord, you know, whether it's having our own baby or adopting brothers and sisters, uh, we're very open to the family that God has in mind for us mm. and, um, and hoping to, we're hoping to be family. I so, love that. Yeah. I love that idea of being open to what God has in mind for you for family. And, yeah. And he wouldn't have brought like. us this far if he didn't have a plan mm. for us. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm very confident in that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, well, I have a few more questions for you that sure. I'd like to ask all my guests, if you don't mind. So what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? <laughs> uh, I have two different answers. I have the emotional okay. answer and the <laughs> practical answer. Um, the emotional answer is uh, this room that we're sitting in right now, which is my yes. basement. It's very colorful. It's very cheery. Uh, it's and beautiful. It's, it's <laughs> so homey. And uh, and just f- it feels very fun and cozy. Mm. Um, but the practical answer is we just installed drawers in my pantry. So, like, it's a rollout drawer. Nice. And it has changed <laughs> my life. Because <laughs> you can get to the things in the back of your pantry. I love That it. have been inaccessible. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to – it's the first thing I'm going to do in my new house is I'm going to put drawers in that pantry, oh too. Goodness. Like, it is I the best that. thing ever. And it really was not an expensive fix okay so that's yeah, great it was I awesome. love it. okay so one of the other questions I, I like to ask is what is something you're loving recently so besides these new drawers besides <laughs> these new pull-out drawers which are amazing um you know I actually uh I I've had to do a lot of work to get my our house ready to put on the market mm-hmm. and I found myself listening to audiobooks oh, yeah. and specifically the Anne of Green Gables series oh, my and goodness. for anyone who has never listened to it it is the most charming set of books Mm. um it's so innocent and yet you watch this relationship develop and this I mean it takes like three books for a kiss to even happen it's like the most precious and you get to follow Anne as she kind of comes into womanhood as 
you know, she starts off as an awkward 11-year-old and kind of grows into sure. being this amazing young wife and mother. And um, and it's just, I found myself just crying at these <laughs> books while I was listening to it because I was so touched oh. by the authenticity and the beauty of mm. her story. No, had you read them when you were younger or is this your first no, time? No, oh. um, this was not my first time, but okay. I, I only encountered them um, I would say maybe about five years ago, a friend of mine lent them all to me as the books. She had the entire eight book series and she lent them to me and I read through all of them in like one summer. Wow. Um, and and this is my, so encountering them again as an audiobook this time, just as I'm, you know, working on stuff around the house is so great because I forgot a lot of things in the story yeah. and, uh, and, got to kind of relive it all over again and just thoroughly enjoyed it all over again. And it, it's perfect for reading to uh, young women mm-hmm. or having middle schoolers read it all for themselves or even encountering it as a young adult. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. Absolutely. I love that. And That's it's so great. refreshing compared to, uh, you know, any sort of romance novel or the young adult fiction. Right. I mean, I, I love a good Harry Potter or The Hunger Games or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, I But... It's so refreshing hmm. compared to those um, just in the way that it's paced and the uh, the way that it follows this young woman and her story. That's so, great. Yeah. And I love that it's audiobook as well. So And it's be... free. It's because it's available oh. on the public domain. So oh, it's great. a free audible uh, a free audiobook on audible dot com or like the audible app oh that's so great. you can download it and just listen to the whole thing oh my goodness okay, i know it's good awesome to know. i'll link yeah, to all this in the totally show notes great. for people yeah. so. oh good that's great um okay so then my last question for you i usually ask if there's any like mom hacks or life hacks that you've kind of been instituting that's that's making your life a little simpler right now um i've thought about that i mean the pantry drawers that's pretty Hello, good Hello, the pantry drawers <laughs> um but uh the other thing i would say is um, well, just being on summer break as a teacher makes my life a lot simpler, sure. but that's not reality for the rest <laughs> of the year. Um, Walmart, of all places, has been doing grocery pickup. Oh, it is okay. Tell me a little bit about the this. best thing ever. You order all your groceries online and you schedule a pickup time for the next day. They bring it out to your car. You bring it home. Oh so you can shop for your groceries while you are looking in your pantry saying, oh, I already have four bags of rice. I probably shouldn't buy another bag of rice, even though we're having rice for dinner this week. Right. So when you're at a grocery store, you often find yourself going, do we have milk or do we not have milk? I mean, I made a list, but I can't quite remember. Is that half gone? Right. But when you shop from your house, you can uh, you can just look and figure it out right there. That's um, great. And so it's a little tricky with like, I would say people ask me a lot if, if the produce is okay. And I would say the produce is fine. The meat is the trickiest thing, I would oh. say, to make sure you're getting meat in the right quantities and the right way that you need it. But honestly, if you get everything else and have to run into a store just to get meat. That's not bad at all. It's so easy. <laughs> yeah. And there, it removes so much temptation from your oh, life. of course. Because um, while we were fighting cancer, Brian lost 30 pounds and I found it. <laughs> and so sure. walking into a store is very difficult for me because mm. uh, they put things they put things strategically so that you will be tempted. Sure. Um, and if all you need to do is walk in, get meat, and walk out, uh, that is a lot easier. Or just 
do the grocery pickup and just take your chances on yeah. me. Like, you'll make it work. Um, but grocery pickup. And, you know, there are some places I know that deliver groceries as well. I haven't tried that. But okay. even the pickup has so, been life-changing. So is there, like, a fee for the pickup? Or how does that nope. work? Do you... Are you serious? There's a minimal there's a minimum order of I think thirty dollars, but who's not spending thirty dollars yeah. when they buy groceries? Come on. That's so amazing. It is amazing. Wow. It is amazing. Okay, and I you out. know, I would love to advocate something other than Walmart. <laughs> you know, but they're but, the ones that offer But they're it the now, only ones so. offering <laughs> it and it's so great. Uh so it is yeah, it's very, very helpful. That's awesome. It is awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well Michelle, thank you so much for being You're on the so show. Welcome. I really appreciate it. Um I'll go ahead and close us in a prayer wonderful jesus thank you so much for this time together and um this time to hear michelle and brian's story lord i thank you for all of our listeners i pray that you would bring them rest and peace in their days today and that they would come to know you in a deeper way lord um jesus we offer you ourselves we offer you our families um and we offer you our lives Um, We pray this all in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening in. For links to everything Michelle and I chatted about, visit the show notes at diapersanddisciples.com. This chat with Michelle really reminded me of some fond memories with my husband and also some of the joys and struggles in our marriage over these first few years. This week, I'm going to be writing my husband a little note of gratitude, which won't be a surprise because Cameron listens to my podcast, which is awesome. (laughs) But I would love it if you all joined me in writing a little note um, to your spouse as well. Maybe a little thank you or an encouraging post-it that you can leave in a fun place for them to find. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.